Good morning, everybody. This is the Falcons podcast. It is a Monday morning. It is a winning Monday morning, even though it might not feel like a winning Monday morning. We're going to get into all of that. First off, my name is Scott Kennedy. I'm in Atlanta. This guy over here, that's Nick Kendall. He is in Seattle. So we're coast to coast with your uh, your Falcons talk this morning. Nick, how are you doing this morning, my friend? I'm doing pretty well. Cannot complain. Uh, I was having a little bit of technical difficulties with StreamYard this morning for some reason. I don't know if you can tell my uh, my lens is different, like how zoomed in how zoomed in I am. Uh, but uh, not messing with it. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Um, so, uh, but uh, we're here. It's Monday morning. Uh, I have another uh, baby doctor appointment after the show. So uh, things are real busy, but uh, they're really good. Well, we go live on on this on these channels on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And the reason why we go live is because we like the interaction, we like the chats, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So join us if you can, like John Harrell has this morning. He says, "Good morning, Scott and Nick and the crew." That's all, y'all. I watched the very little of the game, but what I did, I watched was very bad. And John came in with support for the show with a ten dollars super sticker on YouTube. And and remember, like John just did, this is the most direct way to support what uh, Nick and I do. On, on all of our channels is with uh, stars on Facebook and super chats on uh, on YouTube. So thank you, John, uh, for that. And we wanted to uh, hit this one real quick because this is one of the big news. Nick and I are both, you know, college football guys. We went to both both went to big football schools. Uh, and and uh, Nick says thoughts on FSU getting hosed for the playoffs. And we've touched on it a little bit through chat, but we haven't really hit on this for real. What are what your thoughts on this were, Nick? I'm just glad that it's the final year of the four-year playoff, and I understand that FSU would lose in a neutral site field versus, I mean, let's be real, it's not just against Alabama. They'd probably be not favorited, excuse me, we don't know what happened with the result, that's the whole point. Uh, They would be dogs against Alabama, they'd be dogs against Georgia, they'd be dogs against Ohio State, they'd be dogs against Oregon, but the results have to matter. Right, like they went undefeated. They were a Power Five champion. They went two and zero against the SEC. Uh, there was always going to be somebody left out, and it was going to be unfair. Uh, and at the end, I understand why the committee did it with FSU with uh, Jordan Travis going down, but it stinks. It stinks for them. It stinks for their program. This isn't, you know, it stink. It stunk when UCF did it, but this was a team that, you know, they went out there. They scheduled tough out of conference games. They beat LSU badly the first week of the season. And they did everything they possibly could have to make the playoff within their control, and they don't get it. So I, I feel bad for them. I, again, I understand why picking Alabama. It's hard to leave a one-loss SEC champion out there, and they had the Texas problem. You cannot put in Alabama without putting in Texas. So FSU's left out in the cold and the rain. It sucks. I get it. I don't think I would have had the balls to do it because I would have the Alabama in the end with the tiebreaker. I think I'd have left them out. I really do. And if that's not the best teams – I'm sorry, you should have beat Texas. I don't know what to tell you, but uh, is what it is at the end of the day. As soon as I heard both Nick Saban and Kirby Smart quote the executive director of the college football playoff saying, we're not going for the teams who feel like they're their most deserving. We're going for the four best. I knew FSU was in trouble. Yeah, I knew FSU was in trouble because like you just said, if I'm going through rankings and I'm actually seeding teams like in a power rankings type of thing, the earliest I have Florida State is eight. And you just named the other three teams that you would have had ahead of them, Ohio State, Oregon, and Georgia. So if you're sitting in there and the executive director says, all right, everybody, I want your eight, and I want you to have the eight best teams. I want you to put them in order. I, I got FSU at eight. you know. So, But the other part of that is it's a little bit hypocritical because how do you leave Georgia out then? Yeah. <laughs> yep. So I understand, but I think – 
based on the directive, whether you agree with it or not, and we talk a lot about this with, uh, with, with referee and calls and stuff, based on the directive, I think they got it right. Do I agree with how they do things? No. The Big Ten's got 72 teams. The college football guys have always been bad at math. Having a four-team playoff with a Power Five conference is moronic. It's moronic. If they were going to go from two, they never should have gone to four. They should have gone to eight. Eight is the perfect number for what they try and do. I, I actually came up with this, with the format in 2008, because I was always staunchly anti-playoff, always, until LSU got chosen for the BCS championship, the top two teams, and there weren't there wasn't an undefeated that year, but they had two losses already. I'm like, okay, we've we've reached the point where the regular season has already been compromised. Let's expand. The only way you're going to be able to expand is if you get the Sugar Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, and the Rose Bowl involved because they will pay off the right people to make sure that a playoff never happens. They will. They absolutely will. So turn those games into quarterfinals. Turn those the Orange Bowl. Rotate one of them and have one of them you know, be a national championship. Turn those games into quarterfinals. I went to the Orange Bowl when it was Virginia Tech against Kansas. Man, who cares? Come on. It's Virginia Tech against Kansas. I care. <laughs> that, that year, that was the game. Yeah. You know, nobody watched it. it. It was played in an echo chamber. If you weren't two of the smaller fan base schools, Virginia Tech and Kansas, you didn't watch. Those were the only people that watched. You know who would have watched that game if it was a quarterfinal, Nick? Everybody. Everybody. Everybody would have watched that game. Yeah. So, one big the process thing was flawed. The executive yeah. director's director. I agree with their how they came up with it based on the directive of the guy in charge. And big picture, is this the death of the ACC? I think that uh, we had this offseason where Clemson and Florida State were kicking and screaming, trying to get out because they're getting so much less money than the other Power Fives. And now an undefeated champion in your conference doesn't go to the playoffs. And it's Florida State at the same time. I think that this is this is the beginning of the end. And we've already maybe it was already the beginning of the end, but we are full steam ahead to an AFC and an NFC of college football. I think the ACC is going to dissolve here within the next 2 to 3 years and this is going to be the catalyst to that happening. And people in FSU, Scott, with their money that they have for football, they are beyond upset about this and I think that this could be the, people are going to want money. They're going to throw money. They're going to pay their way out now with this and I don't know what it means for college football. But I think the ACC is at least the writing's on the wall. Florida State has no one to blame but themselves. Bobby Bowden chose the ACC over the SEC, despite the SEC being a more logical fit, culture, mm -hmm. and everything, because they had an easier, easier path to the national championship game to win a national championship. And it worked. Mm -hmm. 1993. Yes, I carry grudges. I'm old. I was at Auburn in 1993 when the Auburn Tigers went 11-0 were on probation, and they gave the Lifetime Achievement Award to Florida State. Mm -hmm. uh, who had one loss and Auburn was 11 and 0. That said, FSU fans, you just heard me say I went to Auburn. People ask me, are you pissed to 11 and 0? No, we won every game. I'm thrilled. I had a blast. 2004, 14 and 0. Are you pissed? Man, take care of what you can take care of. I will take winning every game and getting left out every year as opposed to not winning every game. <laughs> I'll yeah. take winning every single. So Florida State Congratulations on a hell of a season. You controlled what you could control, which is going out and taking care of business. Piss on everybody else and what they have to say and their beauty contest. You won every game. Congratulations. That's what I feel for LSU. 
That's how I felt as an Auburn fan back in the day. Congratulations, FSU. You can't control what they do. You controlled what you did. Congratulations on a hell of a season. On that note, let's get to some Falcons talk here. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I want to start with the good. You wanted to hit this last week, but you weren't feeling – you missed the show under the weather. And you said going in, I don't think we're giving Jesse Bates enough credit, enough flowers for how good he has been. Well, he showed up and helped win another game. How good has Jesse Bates been for this Atlanta Falcons team and in the scope of the NFL? If he does not get all pro uh, as a safety, it would be an absolute travesty uh, this season. He has been on an absolute tear. Uh, He has completely transformed what this Falcons defense is doing, and they would be completely lost without him right now. He is taking the ball away at an insane clip. He is helping cover up a lot of question marks in terms of coverage on that second level of the defense. I mean, Nate Landeman been good in the box, but you know, in space, not so great. Well, here comes Jesse Bates, number three, flying around. Uh, you have injuries to the secondary. Jeff Okuda is, you know, just okay. You have Cam Phillips out there. Well, you know, who's covering up and making a lot of things easier for them. Number three in the back end. So Jesse Bates has been unbelievable this season. I've been, had the privilege of watching some pretty darn good safety play in Denver with uh, Justin, uh, just Justin Simmons, of course. Who? And uh, I, was, I was almost going to say Justin Phillips. I'm like, wait a second. That's not it. Justin uh, Atwater. No, no, no. Justin, <laughs> Justin Simmons, of course. Uh, and Simmons is a little different. He's not as twitched up as Bates is, but uh, Bates has been unbelievable. And he should be a going away uh, first team all pro this season. He's been the best safety in football. And uh, he really does need to be talked about at a higher level. Uh, this team would not be close to where they are without him this season. When when you were when we've talked about we do Broncos and Falcons podcasts and we got a lot of you know the the Broncos homers yes it's okay to be a homer that we're defending Kareem Jackson well what's he supposed to do watch Jesse Bates watch Jesse Bates Bates play the safety position and how he tries to separate a man from the ball because there were several instances in the game against the Jets where he was colliding with receivers mm-hmm. and he was head up. He was shoulders up and he was into their chest. That's how you play the safety position. That's what you are supposed to do. So the next time you ask yourself, Broncos fans, what's Kareem Jackson supposed to do? Watch Jesse Bates. That's what you're supposed to do when you arrive at a ball carrier. Let's say hello to some folks. Victor says, hello, Scott, Nick and Falcons Nations. After 11 weeks, we finally saw the projected identity for this team come to fruition. First game this season, we didn't shoot ourselves in the foot either. Oh, man, Victor, I said going into last week, hey, listen, the, the game plan will be to be be ugly. The, the only way that you're going to lose this game is if you beat yourselves. Oh, my God, did they take that to heart? What a horribly offensively played game. It was brutal. I know the conditions were bad. The Jets defense is good. Give them mm-hmm. some credit. Yes. But oh my God, it was that that game sent offensive play back 10 years. It was really, really bad football. Um, I don't think that's the identity that they want, not being able to move the ball. Uh, what was the what was the final total yardage for, for this game? Total yards, 259 for the Jets, 194 for the Falcons on 64 plays. Oh, it's Something's got to give, man. It, it can't go on like this, Nick. It can't. Never apologize for winning ugly. At the end of the day, especially in the NFL, it's about managing games and taking care of business. Now, does this team obviously have a 
hard cap on it with who they are right now. Yes. Did we see what like the 49ers, if the Falcons, I saw a question, what happens if they went up against the 49ers? Guess what? The Falcons are getting spanked on national TV for for everybody to enjoy. Yes. Uh, But this was never a team that was going to be contending with the, uh, the best teams in the division or in the conference, excuse me. And uh, they're still, you know, a ways away from that, but this is a jets team that while their offense is inept, like you mentioned, their defense is phenomenal, especially their defensive front. Uh, one of the more talented defensive fronts in the NFL. I mean, it's just first round pick after first round pick up there. Uh, and they're going to make every game ugly. And then you mentioned that the weather was terrible as well. This is one that you get. I keep using this uh, comparison, but it was a big 10 West football game out there. You know, this was Iowa, Nebraska leather helmet style and uh, field position mattered. And what mattered at the end of the day, the turnovers, man, I know it was ugly. The Falcons did not have the offensive output that you want, but What's been their biggest issue this year? Protect the GD ball. Scott, I'm not going to use the word GD ball. And they did. They win the turnover battle three plus in this one. That's that's enough. That'll do it against a team like the Jets. Know who your opponent is. It, you can win ugly. It does not matter. It I In this game, it does not matter. They did enough and they won the game. You get three turnovers, have 194 yards, and score 13 points. Why does this feel like a loss to me? Because it's ugly and because it feels like... Because yeah, you know you can't beat anybody else playing like that. I, have you seen the rest of your schedule? <laughs> They're down the stretch here. I think you can beat a good number of teams. If you this is, football, the the Carolina Panthers offense is going to be better than this. Yes, but they're not going to be nearly the defense that you just saw with the Jets too. And maybe I get three turnovers again, but I got three turnovers. That helps negate a good defense, Nick. You know, it's it was just you I cannot come out of this game thinking the Falcons have turned it around. They're on their way. They're they're going to be a handful in the, in a playoff game if they get there. It's you know, right now they'd match up with the Dallas Cowboys, they'd be at home. There would be 30% Dallas Cowboys fans, and it'd be a 30-point game. That That's the feeling I've got. It's just it's the sense of inevitability that this team is going to get embarrassed again on national television in the playoffs when the whole world is watching. Nobody watched that Jets-Falcons game except some Jets and Falcons fans. That that It's a feeling of inevitability that's headed our way, that they're, they're going to do this, and could you – you know, nine and eight, they finish 10 and seven and lose by 35 to, to the Dallas Cowboys. Are you making a coaching change? Maybe, probably not. It would depend on the vibes in the locker room and how everybody's, you know, respecting Arthur Smith still in the uh, relationship. But Scott, I think I know it's an ugly game and maybe this is again, just me being an Iowa fan. I've been like bird boxed my, my way to death with ugly football. And at the end, I think you just accept the ugliness in every game is its own story. And this one really, and you said the Falcons, have they improved at all? Is this anything better? Well, it was an ugly output, no doubt, but what's been killing this Falcons team all season. It's been stupid, untimely turnovers that lose you games. You didn't do that in this one. You protected the ball. So I actually think while it's baby steps, it's still growth uh, for me, protecting the football that shows a level of maturity and understanding and Desmond Ritter and the offense, understanding their opponent at the same time too. How do we lose this game if we do something stupid and give the ball in plus territory to this team? And we we almost did see something a little stupid with that safety, although great play from uh, 
uh, the defensive back and Quinnen Williams, who's just a monster, uh, beat Dolman just immediately. <laughs> but uh, I think that there well, is. And, and Parker babies. Hesse was on skates. It got killed. Yes. Parker he Hesse him. made the tackle. I'm like, Bajan probably could have gotten up because no one touched him. He got he got thrown into Bajan. Yeah, it was a that was a bad play. But uh, I think in the end, you should not apologize for winning. Winning ugly every single game is its own story. And uh, I do want to give credit to the entire team. While it was still ugly as heck, I get that. But you protected the football and you knew your opponent. You lose this game by giving it away and you didn't do that. It keeps you alive for another week. And will the Falcons be, you know, 10 point, eight point dogs with Dallas at home? Maybe. If I was a Falcons fan, I'd want to see it. I'd want to play the game. This isn't, you know, what, what would happen with Alabama and Florida State in a hypothetical. No, we're going to see it on the field. We're going to play it out. I want that chance. Give me that shot. And uh, while you might lose, go down fighting. Uh, so I think that's a I'm, – I'm on a different page than you with this one, Scott. I get it's ugly, but the wins still stack up and they matter. And you got a chance down the stretch. Just give them the shot. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I said last week when I wrote up the, the, uh, the power rankings, they were 19th. I said the Falcons could win their next three and stay at 19th. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's – that's Jets, a bad Jets team who I think has now lost five in a row. Uh, then coming up, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home and then at Panthers. They could win those three games, put a stranglehold on the NFC South, and still be a bottom third team in the NFL. They've got to start showing some progress. The wins, the wins are the wins, yes. But the wins for me are a factor of how bad everybody else is. Not that you're improving. This team feels worse on offense. The defense is is solid. Again, you still have to be able to get pressure. You you give Dak Prescott that much time. Jesus Christ. It's going to be awful. Jordan Brown. Good morning. Falcons win. Anyone who says the Jets, Jets defense is soft is not watching. Who has said the Jets defense is soft, Jordan? Whoever they are, cancel them. Don't listen to them anymore. Because the Jets' defense is good, is real good. Uh, Albrecht, who spent some time in, uh, there's some good recruiting stories involved him when he was at UCLA and Roquan Smith, but I digress. Um, he He's done a good job. Former Falcons coach has done a good job. Should start being discussed as, that might be where he belongs as defensive coordinator, but he's doing a really good job. Nobody with a brain anyway, is saying the Jets defense is soft. Stop listening to them if you if you saw that, Jordan. Yeah, I mean, it, the only thing they're soft about is maybe not, you know, taking out their own quarterback play or whatever is going on on their offensive side of the ball, or maybe they are, I, I don't know, they, they're, they're an unbelievable unit, and it would be pretty amazing uh, to see them with a better offense. But uh, alas, uh, Roger Cook's in the house. Good to see you. We got alt stops and not often. I catch you guys alt, a lot. Glad come I- on, man. What was that? I don't correct you on a lot of those, but we're going to stop you on this one. What did I say? Your dyslexia kicking in alt or Atlanta. There you go. ATL. (laughs) Not often. I catch you live. Glad I did this morning. Happy to get the dub. Should have been 20 to eight with that fumble return. That shouldn't have been called dead, but oh, well, yeah, that was an ugly call, but you know, the refs give it, the refs taketh away. Uh, This was a poorly refed game from my, uh, my watch Broncos playing at the same time. So I had to rewatch it this morning been up since four 30. So it's all fresh uh, to me. But uh, that's a uh, um, it was a poorly officiated game. But you also had an interception taken away. Not the wrong call by any means, but, you know, it kind of it kind of flips both ways sometimes. So, yes, should have been that way. But the Jets, you know, should have could have would as well. The end, you win 13 to eight. Who was that? DJ was it DJ Reed. DJ Ward, so. was it? DJ Reed. DJ Reed. I so. He's I think he's going to be a little lighter in the pocket this week. 
probably. That was uh that was a launch at Drake London's head, snapped his head back. That's a that's gonna be a fine. Mm-hmm. Uh they got that one right. But yeah, this one it's it's it was bad football. The refs start getting well, I, I can call a penalty on every flag the way these idiots are playing. And they 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 just about did throw a flag in every play. Steve Kennedy, good morning. Good morning, Pops. Pamela Johnson's good morning, Scott Nick. Good to have you, Pamela. Um Charlene Samuels says that was a defensive game and nothing needs to be said. Charlene, I agree to a certain extent. I, I like a good old fashioned pitching duel. You know, I mentioned the fact when Alabama and LSU played in the in the championship game way back when there was like 40 guys from the defenses that ended up going playing in the NFL. That was good defense. That was Jack Morris and John Smoltz game seven and 91 World Series going nine innings each of shutout baseball. That was good pitching. This was good defenses, but it was also god-awful offense. God-awful. I didn't need good defenses to slow down and shut out these offenses. It was yeah. it was bad. It was, it was atrocious offensive football against good defenses, which made for a really, really ugly game. I mean, the, the Falcons' defense has been solid this year. I don't know if I would say they are a, you know, above the 12th ranked defense because of the defensive line. I mean, some of this was a terrible jets offensive line and not really consistent enough pass rush compared to what I've seen against the jets, uh, offensive line this season. But again, you did enough to win this game. You took the ball over, took the ball away three times. That counts for a lot. So, uh, and they only gave up six points too. So ugly field, really terrible team. I mean, Tim Boyle, Trevor Simeon, uh, this is one of the worst offenses we've seen in the NFL probably in the last five, six years from the Jets. Honestly, I think the statistics back that up. Uh, so, but it, again, you did enough to win the game. Daniel Hackett, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, God, unbelievable. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a, you should not apologize. Still, it was an ugly game. This is one where when the conditions are like this and it's so mucked up, kind of throw the records out. You know, anybody can kind of win a game like this and you toughed it out. You were mentally tougher than the Jets in this game and, that means something to me. So we'll see what happens going forward. Doesn't mean you're going to win. And also the Saints look like they're crumbling at the same time. So the path is open. Maybe it's the easiest schedule in NFL in the last decade. I don't know. Could be that the Falcon schedule is pretty damn easy. Uh, but it's not your fault for the schedule. And you play the games in front of you. And if you keep doing that, you're going to be in the playoffs and give yourself a chance to win some games. I'd like to see some Dallas Cowboys treatment here, though where people are saying, well, they, they're blowing out bad teams. They're still not any good. Great! <laughs> That's what I had said. You know, what happens when the Falcons go off and do this? Well, then they'll say your schedule stinks. You haven't played anybody. Right now, they're still saying you stink um, at 6-6 six and six against this schedule. And um, I'm not really arguing with them right now. That I just don't think this team is good enough to beat anybody with a pulse. Um, Joe Cannon says, uh, good to see you, Joe. He says, is, uh, is Arnold Epichetti taking the next step to be a pass rusher? We draft, drafted him to be, I, I think he's, he's adding to his game and he is improving week by week by week. Uh, as soon as he can get down the, okay, I can also lock down the edge. He'll take Bud Dupree snaps. Uh, right now it's a three man front with one edge. One stand-up outside linebacker will stand-up edge, which is Bud Dupree, who's getting the majority of the snaps. And then in pass rush situations, they might bring in two guys, Ebiketti, Lorenzo Carter. Ebiketti's look good in the pass rush. It's just he's not getting enough snaps in a true 3-4 defense because there's only one edge-type player out there, Nick. Yeah, I mean, 
Ebiketti has looked better, uh, no doubt. I would like to see maybe a little bit better edge setting from him, but yeah, he can get after it, and he can be definitely a part of a rotation. Uh, Bud Dupree, probably defensive MVP for me. I'm not sure. I mean, he's been... It's Jesse Bates. It was Jesse Bates. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Dupree I mean, had some big Jesse plays. Bates. After him. Jesse Bates, yeah. then who? It's kind of like watching the Hawks when, when, when I was a kid. It's like, okay, it was Dominique, and then and Dominique's a given. Okay, then what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Then who else stepped up? Yeah, I mean, the Bud Debris had a good game as well. Uh, want to give him a shout out. He had a beautiful uh, move on the right tackle from the Jets to get a sack in that one that was, you know, held on maybe a little bit long. So coverage plays into the pass rush, of course. Uh, but uh, overall, I thought they had an okay game against a horrible, panicky Tim Boyle and a bad Jets uh, offensive line. But again, you've only played the guys across from you. You don't make the schedule. Uh, and you did enough in this one in that department. Long-term pass rush is still probably the... Well, outside of quarterback, which we haven't even touched on yet, Scott, but uh, pass rush is probably the most likely thing to attack uh, this off season for this team. Just getting some more bodies out there uh, probably at the edge, just where the draft sets up. But uh, yeah, the ebiketti has been better. He looks like he's going to be a fine player over the next two years of his contract starter or second wave. He's going to be part of your top three and that's, you need those guys. Yeah. Contributor. Um, Roger cooks says Jesse Bates is the best Richie grant, much better too. I'm going to take issue with this one. <laughs> we're gonna do i guess brian finnerin my my buddy's been texting me today just saying brian finnerin uh former atlanta falcon great player uh is just eviscerating kyle pitts on the radio this morning watching that game yesterday and watching richie grant watching kyle pitts i'm just about ready to be done with both of them uh richie grant had a series missed tackle missed tackle missed tackle and he was part of a Trey Flowers. Uh, he was blocking gunners, and they threw a flag on it. And I said, if Richie, if they call Richie Grant's name, by God, cut his ass right now. I said that at the TV while I'm watching this. I'm no fun to watch games with, Nick. I'm like, just cut his ass right now. I've had enough. Well, they called a holding on Trey Flowers, which was a bogus call anyway. It was a terrible call. I'm like, okay, apologies, Richie. Trey, that's not a foul. You, When we're sitting in... in you might have gotten chewed out on the sideline, but when the film room study comes out, you're going to be cleared. The jury will clear you. That was a bad call. Richie Grant had a splash play, including you know the, the fumble, and I feel like the only time he's making positive contributions is when he's blitzing, when he's, don't think, go get quarterback, because he's athletic as hell. He's got good size, but man, as a safety, as a read and react and his tackling in space has been poor. No, I, I think there's those were the first two picks that Arthur Smith and Terry Fontenot made, and they're hurting the team. Kyle Pitts is hurting the team right now. If you watch him line up on the outside, I don't see a freak athlete. I see a guy mumbling, bumbling, stumbling out there, to quote Chris Berman. He's out there. He's slow off the line. He's slow out of his breaks. The effort isn't there consistently enough for a top four overall pick. The athleticism does not show up at all for a unicorn athlete. I've had it. I've just about had it with both of them. It's just so hard for me uh, with Jesse Bates because the offensive passing game is so emphatically limited with uh, Desmond Ritter. Now, he did have a really good play in this one to Kyle Pitts uh, where he uh, was – booting to the the left and he threw a off balance platform and he that took some real arm talent to get that one over there that was a great throw but 
Uh, overall, obviously, I saw a comment in here. It just feels like we're watching Mariota again. It does look mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, stiff. And uh, if you can just protect the ball, I mean, it's not going to be explosive or, you know, you're not going to be getting many highlights uh, with that style of play, but uh, protect the ball and, you know, play off of that and play off the run game. That should be enough. It's just asking him to be a caretaker, but I find it pretty darn hard, Scott, to evaluate the, the weaponry uh, with the, uh, the issues at quarterback, just because of the, just the lack of ability to be aggressive with it. Uh, Because if you are aggressive, you're turning the ball over and you can't have that. OMT says Scott's jaded as hell. I've earned it, dude. I, uh, I'm, it, it, I don't know how old you are. <laughs> I grew up in Atlanta. I was born in Cleveland. Yes, I am a cynical a-hole when it comes to uh, comes to my sports teams. Seven and nine Seahawks. That's all I got to say. To me, that's that's not a good thing. You know, again, I growing up in the '80s and watching the Braves and the Falcons be so bad. You know, hey, does it bother you the the playoff format with the you know with baseball and only one championship with the Braves? I'm like, not really, because I get to watch good baseball from April through through September. I get, you know, five months, 162 games of good baseball. Piss on the playoffs. <laughs> I'm, I've always been kind of anti-playoffs again, because why why am I investing time in the regular season if, if, if it's just going to come down to one game? That I'll just watch when the one game matters. Mm-hmm. I want to see good football, man. I want to see, I want to see progression. All I've ever asked, and we've got probably got some new viewers in here today, so welcome because we got a bunch of eyes on us. All I've ever asked is just get better, or at least make the moves to appear that you're trying to get better. My expectations are pretty low growing up as a, a Falcons and Braves fans in the 80s. This team is not progressing. Six and six, the record, forget the record. What does the product on the field tell you? That they're not progressing. They're not much better than they were last year, despite... $200 million in free agents, another top top 10 draft pick. This team is not progressing. That makes me start thinking I need a, ch- a coaching change, Nick. And that's what it starts boiling down to is I, I think Arthur Smith, any other owner, his seat would be freaking on fire right now. I agree with you for the most part. I just, I got to agree. I got to disagree just a little bit because of how important turnovers are. And how much how many games you've lost this season because of turnovers. And this is one where you protected the ball and just point blank. That's the main reason that you won this game. You won, emphatically won the turnover battle. And I think that is uh, progression and direction. Now, is it going to win you a Super Bowl? No, but it's going to keep you feisty uh, down the stretch here and make the playoffs. I don't think you move on from Arthur Smith from that point. If you do make the playoffs, we'll see if that's the right or wrong move. In the end of the day, I agree with you, Scott. I, I feel your frustration. You sound exactly like Iowa fans where they just won the ugliest football game you've ever seen, hitting the under for the 30th straight week. How do they keep doing it? I don't know. The offense is terrible, but they're protecting the ball. Uh, and I think that any is... other team than the Jets, knowing how bad they were, I might... I, I, I just... You expect more. Again, and you got, and you got three turnovers. Again, mm-hmm. any other team with the Jets, you probably lose this game. That's my concern. That's my big concern. Tampa Bay played. beat you playing like this. Carolina Probably. might. You Maybe. you beat Carolina because Jesse because of, because of the three turnovers and Jesse Bates. Mm-hmm. And if you're losing to those teams in this schedule, if there's still time to turn it around, we're 13 weeks into the season. We keep saying that. There's still time for it to all come together. And as Edwin says, no turnovers, only six penalties. That's progress. Okay. Okay. 
And you have to play, you play you know, to win the game. And how about Justin Dennis Herbert? Six to zero. Yeah. You know, you got you got uh, the Angels and the and the Red Sox in a six zero barn burner up in Boston. Yeah. I get it, Patriots. So, you know, and the Jets beat the Eagles. They also beat the Bills. I know. And the how? Broncos. By a lot. Um, you know, but we can start playing that game. You know, they've also lost what five in a row now. Yeah, they've also lost five in a row. They also lost to the Chargers, the Raiders, uh, the Patriots. They lost the Patriots. Kenneth, we want to do small sample sizes. We can do it all day. Yeah. I, I feel your frustration, Scott. And I think the the biggest thing I'm interpreting from you is that this does feel extremely capped and not uh, not replicable going forward. And this team has an obvious ceiling to it. And they are where they're at because a lot because of the schedule. But you play to win the game. You had a team that was horrible on the offensive side of the ball, the Jets. And the only way you lose this game is if you outright turn the ball over and, you know, they get points off of a turnover. Credit to the defense. Uh, this is a game when you are, you know, uh, what did they say? The cloud of dust, uh, two yards in a cloud of dust. One big play can change the whole outcome of the game. The, Fal uh, the Falcons did a good job not giving up that one explosive that would have turned the game around. I mean, that's why the Broncos lost. Brees Hall got them on a 80-something yard run, and that's the game. Uh, so they did enough to win at the end, and I think it was a while it was extremely ugly. Uh, I think they understood their opponent. They managed the game based on their opponent, and they come out with a win in a ugly fashion. But nobody's gonna remember at the you know two years from now. Oh, remember that Jets game? Oh, they didn't really deserve that one. They were ugly. No, you came out with the W in the grand scheme. There's you're gonna have games like this. The best teams in the NFL, uh, the teams teams that are gonna win the Super Bowl this year, they're gonna have some ugly games where it's mucked up like this. Granted, we haven't seen many beautiful ones either from the Falcons, Scott. Uh, but I, again, I don't think I think you're a little bit uh, more down on this than you should be. Uh, this is a this is a very tough time defense. will tell. Time will tell. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I will tell this, I'm this with team. You. you they've got to play better than this if they're going to win the division. Yep. They can play better well, than this. We know it. We know mm -hmm. they can play better than this. It, but by God, it's time to show it. It's time to show it. It's time to step up and play the way you're capable of playing. Otherwise, this is going to finish nine and eight and a, a first round blowout loss. Okay, well, that's progress, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Not against the schedule. No, it's not. It's not. You. It, it was. It was a matter of circumstance, not because your team got better. And that bothers me when I'm judging whether or not because these. You know, I see some some comments in here. This is about as negative Scott as Scott has been right now. I'm starting to think. Do I fight for Arthur Smith or not? That's where I am on this. I'm making this decision as a general manager. I'm thinking like a general manager as I'm watching this. Do I want Kyle Pitts anymore? Do I want Richie Grant anymore? Do I want Arthur Smith anymore? Those are the kind of decisions I'm, I'm thinking of while I'm watching this team. And right now, I'm disappointed because right now I feel like no, no, and no. I don't want Arthur Smith anymore. I don't want Marcus Mariota anymore. Kyle Pitts has been a huge disappointment. And so is Richie Grant. That makes me negative. I don't yeah. like feeling like that. Yeah, I get it. And Boo Dog. But who I do like, Boo Dog, go ahead. Because yeah. Clark Phillips was great. Stepped in on the outside corner slot for A.J. Terrell, who ducked his head and caught a, a helmet in the back of the head from a running back. Um, and Clark Phillips was great. Uh, it was nice to see him out there. Yeah. 
It was a, a good to see him out there. Former Utah player, fourth round pick, had a good game. Uh, also, we had a Caleb McGarry knee injury. We'll follow that. I don't think it was serious, but we'll uh, we'll find out. Um, he was. <laughs> it's really unfortunate because he was an absolute butt kicker in that Saints game with what they were doing there with the zone, uh, the zone rushes. But uh, in the end, the Falcons win. Nobody should should apologize at the end of the day. The NFL is hard. It, that's a tough Jets defense. Robert Salah is a good coach, and uh, you won the turnover battle three plus. You only gave up six offensive points, and you're still in the thick of things. You're giving yourself time to figure it out and give yourself a chance. Probably not winning a Super Bowl. <laughs> That's okay. We'll see what happens with Desmond Ritter. We haven't even talked about Desmond Ritter. Uh, that's, I don't even know if I've seen his name more than once, uh, but you did enough to win in the end. And Greg Elrod coming in 199 says, bad game plan and play calling. It was ugly, but you won. And you are limited in the passing attack with ugly weather. I just don't know if I could say full-on bad game plan. Uh, it was ugly as all get out, but it was a game-winning game plan. Oh, Matt says, and thank you, Greg Elrod, coming in. I would trade Kyle Pitts for the Jets receiver. Garrett Wilson uh, would be absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, that ain't happening. Uh, the, uh, the, the, that, that ain't happening. The Jets aren't giving up Garrett Wilson for Kyle Pitts, unfortunately. So would I. What a cool so picture. Would, too. So would basically everybody at this point. That, that ain't happening. Um, Mass, awesome picture. Cool hiking. I don't know where that was, but that looked like some uh, Alps-looking stuff in the background. Pretty cool. And, Pamela says, only time will tell if they're going to the playoff caliber team. One thing for sure, they play different what's in their playoffs. All teams record are zero and zero. Yeah. Again, this team is capable of so much more than they're showing. But at the end of the day, we've got enough right now to know that I'm not happy with what I see. I, I don't feel like this team is progressing on the field. That concerns me. And mm-hmm. I have a feeling it concerns a lot of you as well. I might just be a little more uh, emotional about it today than, than usual. But we're going to get out of here. We're going to go over to Mile High Huddle and talk Broncos, who had their five-game winning streak snapped by the uh, the Houston Texans in an AFC playoff race. And I'm going to call Nick out on something Uh-oh. pretty early. Pretty Uh-oh, early on this. So if you want to hop over to youtube.com slash Mile High Huddle, come join us. We will be back on Wednesday. I tend to brood on stuff, so I don't get calmer as time goes on. So we'll see how I feel on Wednesday. (laughs) But we're going to get out of here. Appreciate you joining us. Make sure you hit that like, subscribe, and share. Lots of new views on here today. Hit the comments. Got a lot of negative pushback on my opinions today. Good. Back them. That's fine with me. We'll talk. Uh, There will be some Kyle Pitts fans. There will be some, hey, we won. What are you complaining about, fans? That's fine. Back them. Be respectful, and I will engage. Looking forward to it. We will see you on Wednesday. Thanks for being here, everybody. Sure beats a Falcons losing Monday, so take the dub, right? All right, we're out of here. Bye.